Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Today, our special guest is Steve Thompson, currently the Senior Director for Public Policy for Oklahoma Farm Bureau. Steve's been involved in agricultural policy work at the state level for much of his career. Farm Bureau right now, American farmers and ranchers before that, and he had about a nine-year stint at the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Associate Commissioner, and before that, their legislative liaison. Steve joins us today as we talk exclusively about this year's legislative session. A dysfunctional session, what some folks would uh, describe it as, uh, based on the problems with coronavirus pandemic, the panic that we've had that has uh, basically kept lawmakers away from the state capitol a good bit of the spring. They got back to 23rd and Lincoln doing work quickly, including a budget over the objection of the governor, had to override a veto along the way, and actually doing some additional policy work as well. We'll talk about all that today with Steve in just a few moments. Today, our Road to Rural Prosperity being sponsored by the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center. They envision a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma. We're back with our conversation today on the road here in just a few moments. in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Our travels this week on our podcast series, The Road to Rural Prosperity, takes us to 23rd and Lincoln, really just across the street uh, from the state capitol complex and the headquarters of Oklahoma Farm Bureau, one of the large general farm organizations uh, in the state. Steve Thompson is their senior director for public policy. And Steve, let's talk a little bit about this state legislative session back uh, to work after several weeks off uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic and getting a fair amount of done, including uh, working on a budget here in the last few days. Absolutely. They uh, they have come back uh, and, and been quite active. You know, they had had, had told us that uh, they'd be back for a couple of weeks and handle the budget and just a very small number of policy issues. And while they, they held true to their word and handled the budget in a, in a very quick fashion, they have really drifted into a a lot more policy measures than what I think they had led us to believe to begin with, and so that's what we're sort of sorting through now. But uh, 
the first first item up was uh, was all the state budget business. Let's, let's talk a little bit about now. Obviously, uh, they came up with a budget. Uh, maybe kind of summarize some of the highlights in your mind, uh, especially for rural Oklahoma. That budget uh, d- does include. Well, you know, uh, as everybody knows, we're in, in a little bit of a uh, uncertain territory uh, in, in kind of all facets of our life. And with uh, uh, besides the pandemic issues, most folks realize that the state budget has taken a big hit due to the decline in the price of oil and gas recently. And so uh, they had they had quite a challenge this this session with the budget. I think I, they they referenced on the floor that they've felt like they've completed three different budgets this one session as the numbers kept changing as they as they went along, but. During the uh, during the shutdown uh, during the uh, uh, second half of March and pretty much all of April, they they went ahead and finished the final version. And uh, while it it's not great, uh, I think it 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 holds the line pretty steady for most. There's there's some small cuts. I think the average cut to a state agency was around four uh, percent. Folks at the Department of Ag took just a, maybe a slightly bigger one than that. And uh, the folks at the uh, Department of Education that goes out to all our public schools uh, had had a little smaller one and. We're hoping with some federal emergency dollars they can keep the education for the state uh, flat where it was at for the year. And so they really kind of moved money around from, from the reserve accounts. You know, everybody knows that the rainy day fund is there to try to balance out the, the hard times. And so they were able to pull it back to a kind of kind of a minor downturn uh, as far as the state budget goes. And I think the, the, the largest concerns that you continually hear about are where we'll be at uh, this time next year and the year after that because we're – we're running pretty low on our reserve funds, and so there's there's not much to uh, to, to cover us if we if we continue with uh, with a, a declining economic activity like we've seen recently. Now, did did they uh, did they have to basically address both the current fiscal year as well as the new fiscal year that starts July one? Well, yes, they they they, they popped back into session for one day in April and shored up the the current what they call fiscal year 2020 that ends in June because they were uh, projecting a revenue failure of, of, a, of a, a pretty big proportion there. And so they uh, they moved some money around from some of the reserve accounts to plug that to keep everybody whole through the end of June. So agency budget shouldn't see any any disruptions uh, throughout the rest of this fiscal year. But uh, the, the new numbers where you'll have a few small cuts will, will begin uh, July 1st. But they handled this year back in, in mid-April. And when, they, when they came back last week uh, here in May, they – they went ahead and set the course for uh, fiscal year 2021 and uh, moving forward uh, effective July 1st. And, uh, of course, uh, the news after that was passed by the House and the Senate, uh, the governor vetoing uh, those measures and uh, the uh, lawmakers quickly responded. Yeah, it, it was been, uh, as we talk about, it, highly unusual in, in a lot of ways and maybe none more so than then uh, the the budget deal that they they uh, initiated last week and, and announced first time in my career twenty five thirty years is uh, it was just uh, leaders of the House and Senate making the presentation and uh, the, the the governor's office wasn't represented and, and really wasn't referenced until the Q and A by the media afterwards and so uh, they they had had some communication breakdowns between the governor's staff and the uh, appropriations leaders in the in the House and Senate and so legislature went ahead and completed the budget uh, without the governor's input the last oh probably month month and a half and so the governor I, I think had some issues with with the way that it was constructed and uh, he vetoed I believe four different measures three that diverted some money around uh, into and out of certain funds and, and and accounts and then the overall what they call general appropriations bill that that uh, is sort of the omnibus spending bill that sets all the amounts for everybody which is, is pretty rare in and of itself, but uh, beginning within the hour yesterday afternoon, 
after that that uh, those vetoes became official, the Senate convened and o- over overrode one of those, and then by the time the evening was done, the House and Senate at each side passed uh, 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 those measures again uh, with a two-thirds majority needed legally to uh, to become law, notwithstanding the governor's objection. So they uh, they went ahead and pressed on, and that that's how the budget will look this year. And I know that uh, a lot of folks are uh, are just sort of waiting and watching to see. Uh, how things progress from here with the rest of the policy bills that are in play, but uh, the, the the governor and the legislature uh, uh, probably uh, are not uh, not uh, real friendly with each other right now with the way things are going. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, beyond beyond the budget. There have been some policy issues and some uh, some bills that uh, have directly involved agriculture. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a much busier uh, week uh, week and a half at the Capitol than than what we uh, expected. They they reopened the Capitol officially the public last week uh, with some limited access. There's a there's a minor uh, health screening when you enter the building, and uh, and uh, some of the uh, common areas outside of the the chambers are closed. The offices are really for appointment only, and so kind of a, a limited uh, engagement with the legislature. But uh, they they had mentioned they they'd have five to ten policy bills they they took up and. Uh, I, I think we all assumed that that was for the remainder of May, but heck, they've done five to ten each morning and each afternoon. And so we, uh, we've worked on a number of things and, and, and really whenever they were shut down for, for, for the last half of March and all of April, we, we missed so much of the regular legislative process that I think the most, most folks take for granted that part of the, of the grind throughout the spring because we didn't have our second round of committees uh, in the legislature where, where you can really apply a, a close eye and a filter to think, you know, the first round you have so much legislation coming out that it's really kind of a, a shotgun approach to, to weeding a few things out. But then that second round, you really take a deeper dive and, and either improve some legislation or, or some things that just get left behind. And, and sometimes that's, that's for good reason. And so we, uh, we saw all of the bills that, uh, that were slated for committee get moved direct to calendar so that they go go straight out onto the floor. And so we've had a, a number of things that uh, popped up. There was a, a bill uh, proposed to really a complete rewrite of our hemp laws somewhat over overnight that uh, that was we had to engage uh, with the House to keep off the floor. And there, there were some measures that, that would really kind of gut some of our food safety laws as far as what can, can be sold um, from a producer uh, directly to a consumer, and instead we thankfully had, had some improvements to, to how, uh, how farmers' markets work and some of the way those businesses has, have evolved in recent years. You know, we see a lot about the desire for folks to, uh, to know who grows their food and, and to purchase directly from producers, and there are ways to make that work, and so hopefully we, we've done, a, done an adequate job of trying to address that evolving business, but without sacrificing anything as far as food safety and so I know that there was there was a bill that uh, um, Cattlemen's Association and Port Council worked very hard on to improve our, our meat labeling as far as what constitutes meat. And you know we've we've talked about the term fake meat for a number of years and concerned that consumers might be deceived by that. We we passed a bill to start that conversation last year as far as the regulations go, and that was really uh, uh, reworked and 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 uh, invigorated to where it, it it has better definitions, and we hope hope it's it's more effective now moving forward and. So that if, if something says it meat, beef, pork, poultry, it, it actually comes from an animal. And I know that's been a very sore spot with our members for a number of years now. And so, so there's one good piece of legislation came out on that. And 
Steve Thompson, our guest today on the road to rural prosperity. We're talking about the state legislative session, and we're back with Steve here in just a few moments. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Welcome back to the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. With us today is Steve Thompson, the Senior Director for Public Policy for Oklahoma Farm Bureau. Steve, I know over the last couple of years, we've seen some monies actually uh, earmarked within the Department of Agriculture budget for cooperative extension. And my understanding is it's there again. They, they did put in a little bit of money for a cooperative extension. I think there was uh, about $2.8 million added to the, the State Department of Ag's budget that is to go on to extension. And uh, we've worked for, for a number of years now. I think this may be the third or fourth year we've been able to get a little bit of a bump for them uh, through the Department of Ag. We've had trouble working with the, uh, the, the higher regent to get money through the, the typical higher ed funding formula to extension. But working with uh, the Appropriations Committee and Secretary Arthur uh, we were able to, uh, to to get an agreement to, to try to help out our extension offices a little bit. I guess one thing that was interesting to me uh, when uh, I had a chance to visit the uh, state uh, animal agri- animal diagnostic lab there on campus in Stillwater, uh, they indicated that their budget they were at the mercy of the uh, of the higher regions as well. So uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are within the division of agriculture uh, that uh, are uh, you know a lot of times not well understood by the general budget. And I don't know how well they're understood by the uh, by the regions. No, that's exactly right. And and, and Ron, you know, uh, several of us have have talked for years about the importance of the things that go on in Stillwater uh, uh, under the ag umbrella. And and a lot of times, I think you know we all worry it's, it's taken for granted because uh, you know we we have we have ample safe food on our table. Nobody worries about where it comes from or how it gets there. But uh, we we've seen some stories recently about what uh, what an absolute champion that that diagnostic lab there uh, uh, adjacent to the vet school has been as far as uh, testing for the virus that, that that we've been dealing with now and so we're, we're really proud to have supported them over the years and uh, and and have hopefully a spotlight done on uh, shined on how important what uh, Dr. Kuhn and the vet college and, and really everybody there affiliated with the, the ag programs in Stillwater contribute and and the value of it and. And uh, don't want to say anything good has come out of the emergency we've been through, but I think the the the, the discussions about the importance of of, of the, the food supply and the supply chain in general, and the and the folks that that produce it and then work it through the system to deliver it to to our consumers. Uh, hopefully, folks take a little bit harder look at how important that is and how we might not have invested in that through the years like we really need to. I know that uh, there was uh, one measure that uh, uh, popped up that I think uh, was pretty well voted on uh, unanimously was this uh, Oklahoma Certified Beef 
that uh, could be used as a uh, identification type label. Yeah, you know, Ron, that's a very interesting uh, uh, item that that worked its way through. That, that you know, we've talked about all, all sorts of different branding programs, and and whether we have a mandatory label or an optional, and and uh, I think that is something that that we hope that folks. Uh, uh, gives them pride in in being an Oklahoma beef producer. Uh, I, we're there's really not a plan for how that might be uh, utilized, and I think that hopefully that our our folks at the Department of Ag and their main Oklahoma program can figure out a way to uh, to uh, to utilize that. But um, that it, I think that's that's maybe a starting point there, um, and 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 when there's there's a whole lot of framework that needs to be built built up around that. And I know uh, some of our folks were were concerned that uh, that that. Uh, wouldn't apply if, you'd like to say, you, you moved cattle across the border from Kansas, you know, if you had land in both places. Some of the parameters in that were, were a little bit tight. And so I know that, that there, there's going to be folks trying to make the best out of that moving forward. And, and we all know how tough times are for beef producers. So so hopefully that's a, a positive thing for them. But I, I think there's a little bit ways to go before that can really be used to, to as a marketing tool. And uh, we have such limited processing capacity in Oklahoma, we're not sure about how, how much that product can get processed in Oklahoma. But uh, we, we are supportive of what uh, Secretary Arthur and uh, and her staff there at the marketing division of the Department of Ag do. And they have a have a well-established Made in Oklahoma program. So ho- hopefully they can figure out a way to uh, to utilize that for, for something positive. Circle back around as far as the uh, just the overall, you know, maybe go, jump up to, you know, 10,000, 20,000 foot level. Looking down at this year's legislative session, your, your thoughts about it uh, from a rural Oklahoma perspective? I think we're going to look back in history. Will show that this was uh, this was a, is a very difficult session, but you know, it, mostly it was uh, uh, kind of like everything else. Is, is we didn't we got off probably better than than we than we might have through the cooperation and collaboration of several of our our good friends out there. But you know, it nothing went normal this year. From the beginning, we were just kind of ninety miles an hour. You know. We dealt with some property tax issues that have somewhat fallen by the wayside. We had hard decisions to make as a community about how, how that was going to work. And uh, uh, we had we had three or four property tax bills, and, and we, we were able to push back one that, that was, was a little bit too burdensome on uh, on landowners. And so we, we had some early victories there, but it was just it was just kind of a battle from day one. And um, we're, we're proud of the cohesive nature of, of agriculture in the state capitol, whether it be, you know, the... Uh, chairs of our committees and, and Chairman Murdoch and Chairman Curbs or some of the great leaders that we have throughout there to, to all of us that, that, that work uh, w- with the Secretary of Ag and the Governor's Office trying to uh, promote and defend rural Oklahoma. But it, it was really just a, just sort of a struggle uh, all the way start to finish. You know, our, our county farm bureaus do such a great job of visiting the Capitol, and we, we had a, a robust plan built for them with our field reps to come you know visit their legislators every week. And that got really shut down along with everybody else whenever everybody had to had to work remotely for so long. So uh, this this is one one for the record books that we're going to look back and say that it was it was very very difficult, but it always could have been worse. But boy, like everything else, we'd sure like things to get a little bit back closer to normal um, for next. Year. And I guess what we're going to be uh, without a doubt uh, looking uh, looking ahead as far as these revenue estimates and and uh, that that's going to really drive a lot of what can be done uh, at uh, at uh, Lincoln Boulevard, right? I think so. I think that the uh, things had changed so much uh, last year for the better when the budget turned around uh, and the atmosphere was 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 so positive and we were able to plug some holes. 
and and really start to think about advancing the state in a lot of ways. And uh, now it's kind of back down to just sort of a just kind of hold the line and hold your breath. And and we, like I said, we really need the price of oil to go back up. We need the price of all commodities to go back up. And that's that's one of the things our messages throughout the interim is going to be through this campaign season to to our elected officials is you know the lifeblood of the Oklahoma economy is com- is commodity driven and uh, uh, whether it's energy or agriculture and we're all suffering right now and so uh, I know that, that there's going to be another you know kind of run on property taxes next year and certainly the the one tax that that uh, that we can't afford to raise right now is the one that commodity producers pay whether they make a profit or not and so that that uh, we move into election season and, uh, here right away June 30th we have a primary election next week Farm Bureau will be on the road with district you know ag fund political action committee meetings and uh, it, it's going to be an odd, odd year to campaign in with, with so many restrictions on, on how we interact with, with our, 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 our neighbors. But, uh, that, that will be, you know, how, how, how do our elected officials respond to, you know, uh, uh, a, a potential, uh, a really tight budget? You know, this year was uncomfortable, but, uh, the hand they're about to get dealt may, may be even worse. Challenging times, most certainly for states. Oklahoma being a balanced budget state, the burden in some ways, is a little heavier. We appreciate Steve Thompson being with us today, Senior Director, Public Policy for Oklahoma Farm Bureau, on the road to rural prosperity. Our thanks to the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center for being our lead sponsor today. I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon along the road to rural prosperity. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.